0: May it go out and achieve everything you set it out to do in Jesus name amen. amen Thank you Pastor Matt well good morning I have the privilege of ministering to you today so um, it's going to be good I think <laughs> that's a statement of faith uh, are you ready for um, for what God wants to share with you this morning so I woke up this morning. And I had this really cool idea. We had the ugly shirt Christmas party last night. And, um, and so um, I was thinking shirts. And it was Mission Sunday, so I thought, wow, I've got this cool idea. I've got this lovely shirt from New Guinea. Uh, it was from the Sepik tribe in the Highlands. One of the pastors gave it to me as a gift. And I was like, wow, man, isn't this beautiful? This is amazing. So I put it on this morning. And Trish, that wives have this amazing ability. Just one word. Just one word, she just said, "Really?" As I put it on, and uh, well, suddenly all my confidence and all the stuff that I'd built up in my head about how cool the shirt was going to be uh, just left me. But I pushed through, and then I got into the into the auditorium, and Kyle said, "Wasn't the ugly shirt party yesterday?" So um, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling the love, but um, anyway and I'm being bold and courageous. And so the title of my message this morning is Go For It. And that's exactly what I did. I just went for it with this bad shirt and all. And um, I just want to share with you about what it means to be a kingdom community, what it means to be part of something that God is building and shaping and fashioning, what it means to be part of His church and putting His kingdom first. Um, As he says in Matthew 6.33, it it should be on the slide. Can you call that up? Thank you, Luke. i am taking this from the Passion Translation on the opening slide. If you go back up to the main slide, please, Luke. It says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. I like the way that's been put. I think it's, it's very, very accurate. And um, for me, being a kingdom community is about being and doing. And, you know, being through church life and there's been a heavy emphasis on one or the other. And true kingdom is both. It's about who we are, what we really are about, our values, our principles, our belief system and then how that plays out in our life, of how we do that. Obviously, you've heard this before. We are human beings, not human doings. So we start by being who God made us to be, and then we, that out of that flows what we do. And so we've taken some time through this year to talk about your identity, to speak about who you are in Christ, and to speak about us as spiritual fathers and mothers, what our role is in, in creating a place where you can grow in who God made you to be. But at some point, you are going to have to go for it. At some point, you're going to have to believe that you are exactly where God wanted you to be and you are ready to do something for God. And um, it it happens in the life of Acts, in the book of Acts, that there's a process that's been going on. And so we pick it up at chapter 6. I'm sorry, I am doing Read the Bible but I don't get to preach that often so I'm kind of running behind uh, for some of you who are up to date with the reading for others of you who are not up to date I'm ahead of you all good um, so just let's go with the flow here and let's just let's just peg it at this point of Acts chapter 6 something's happening in the church so you remember now in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit came and, and there was this formation of the church Acts chapter four there was another explosion of growth and new things happened. Um, Acts chapter 5, I think, is when um, this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, decided that they would lie to God, lie to the Holy Spirit, and make it all about them, and as a result, they dropped dead, and um, that's always something worth preaching on, but I thought I'd spare you that one today. And um, and then we're into Acts chapter 6, where something is changing, something's happening, um, what's happened just before this is that the leaders the spiritual leaders have been arrested and have been put in jail so the church is left leaderless and they they need to do something they need to react and respond to this and and you know if you think about it in a, in church life this could be a crisis that hits the church and, and and it's time for all of those people who just sit there on a sunday to suddenly rise up and say What are we going to do in response to this? Because we are the church. We are the kingdom community that God's established, and this is on us. And so now we reach chapter 6 where this has started to happen, and we read the, the Scriptures as follows. In those days, the number of the disciples was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Lord Jesus, this is your word. I pray that I would do justice to your word and that I would bring out the principles, the understandings, the revelation that you want me to bring out. I pray you'd put your word in my mouth and I pray that your word would cut to the heart of every listener. I pray, Lord God, whoever hears these words, their heart would be like good soil that when the seed falls in it, it produces a crop not of 30 or 60, but of 90 and a 100. I pray, Lord God, that as the word comes, it would bring revelation, it would bring light, it would bring understanding and clarity. I pray it would bring healing, it would bring deliverance, it would bring salvation. I pray, Lord God, that it would bring what you want to bring. You watch over your word and you are careful to ensure that it will do everything that you've set for it to do. So watch over this word now, Heavenly Father, and bring it to pass in your time and in your way, I pray, in each one of our lives. Amen. So we start by looking at the scripture. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Problems are our opportunity for growth and maturity. Have you noticed that our growth is often disguised as a problem? Have you noticed that? And it's our response to that problem that will determine whether we grow or not. If we complain or whine and whinge, the chances are we won't grow to the next level. But if we apply faith and trust or wisdom, prophetic revelation, perseverance, we will find that we have grown out of the problem and into a new season. And so this is vitally important that we get this. Because here the church, in this situation, the church had a problem. There was complaining and moaning. I know that never happens in this church. But in that first church, there were people who were criticizing the leadership and moaning about what the priorities were and who was being shown favoritism and who was getting more attention? Do you know the, that Apostle Peter he spends all of his time with those Hebraic Jews? Us Hellenists never get a visit from him. Have you noticed that? Murmur, 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 winch, 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 complain, complain. And this, without them understanding, this was an opportunity for things to change and for them to grow. How many of us are facing a situation currently, a bit of a problem? It might be financial, it might be relational, it might be spiritual. You're facing a little problem right now at the moment. I'd like you to think about it. How are you responding to that problem consistently? Are you feeling anxiety consistently? Fear and worry. Is that your response? Are you feeling anger and frustration about this unresolvable situation. Is that your response? And we can be honest here because we're part of the kingdom community. Honesty works best there. These are the things that are naturally stored in our hearts. When you face any situation, the natural response comes racing out, doesn't it? How many of you have... Um, Stubbed your toe, hit your shin, hit your finger with a hammer, anything like that. And the natural response just came racing out of your mouth. And it was glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to all men. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me suffer for your name's sake right now. It's probably that, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think we can just be honest that within all of us is the, is the stuff on the heart that under pressure, under a particular situation, stuff comes out and that becomes the opportunity we have to either entertain that, agree with that and align ourselves to that or we have an opportunity to check that, practice self-control, self-discipline which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and say, whoa, whoa, whoa there, tiger. Slow down on how your feelings are ruling you and let's go back to what God says. Remember, he said, if we put the kingdom first and his righteousness being in right relationship with him, then all these lesser important things are going to be sorted out. So God, how do I put your kingdom first when this problem is wanting to be first in my life? These are the sorts of questions that we begin to ask. If you're starting to ask questions like that of God in your faith, you are growing. If you are facing a problem and you are taking it to God in prayer, you're taking it to God with the promises that He's given you, if you're doing that, you are growing. You are on the right track. You're doing well. If you're not, if you're spending more of the time worrying and complaining and doing that sort of thing, you're hindering your growth. Chances are you're going to get through this problem because God is kind and He's good and He'll help you through this, but He's also relentless. Have you noticed that about God? He's relentless in areas of our lives where He wants us to grow. So what happens is we get through it. We don't really change. What happens next? We face the same problem, just in a different set of circumstances. And we have to deal with it again. And let's be honest with ourselves, there are some things we've gone around and around the mountain more than once. And so we need to, again, as a people, just recognize that this problem is an opportunity for my growth and my maturity. How will I process it? It goes on to say, so their solution was, the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Our priorities determine our activities. When the kingdom of God becomes your first priority, everything else will fall into line. That's the promise of God. And so I need to ask, what is getting the best of our time, the best of our talents, and the best of our treasure? If we don't know the season of God that we're in, and we don't know what our kingdom assignment is right now, then we won't be able to confidently say that we are seeking God's kingdom first and His righteousness as our main priority. You know, we, we really, God built this church on that understanding, on that revelation that we have an assignment from God. And I've written about it in a book. If you haven't read the book, if you f- haven't done The Divine Connection, please purchase a copy, only $10, and uh, you can understand what God said about who we are as a church. Knowing our assignment and knowing the season we're in. God might have called you. We're a prophetic people. We get prophetic words. How many of you have received a prophetic word while you've been in our church family? The vast majority How many of you have seen that prophetic word come to pass? Okay. So for many of us, we've journeyed through that. But there are many of us where it hasn't happened. So we need to understand the season that we're in. God is busy qualifying us for the promise. And our priorities will determine our activity. If You're not headed towards what God is speaking over your life. If you're not headed towards His assignment for your life, then you're pretty much making up your priority list yourself. And so the activity will follow. You're at church today because God is a priority in your life. You want to hear from Him. You want to meet with Him. What happens on Monday or Wednesday Do the priorities shift and change? Because I know I've I've spent a lot of time in church. There are people who do the segmented, compartmentalized Christian life. God has my Sunday, and he has one evening a week, and he has 10% of my money, but then I have my life. Do any of you know Christians like that? They're good people. Really good people. They're honest, kind, integrous people generally. But they're not living for the kingdom the way that it's described here. Kingdom people are people who want to see God's kingdom come and break through in their world all the time. Jesus, when He taught the disciples how to pray, he said pray like this every day god let your kingdom come and let your will be done and so we as his people not just on sunday and one evening in a week but every day we should be praying likewise we should be saying god how is your kingdom going to come in my world today how can i be part of bringing your kingdom into my world today into my relationship, the way I I live my relationships out, the way that I work, the way that I, whatever, whatever I do, how can it be about your kingdom? And you know, I can preach this till I'm blue in the face, but when you encounter the king, the king of this kingdom, when you encounter the king, what I'm saying starts to make sense. If you've never encountered the king, you're sitting there doing a little, if you're like an accountant, a little balance sheet analysis thing. You're going, hmm, a little bit too much cost and not enough benefit. Uh, I don't think so. And, And so we encourage, we try to provide an environment where you can encounter the king. But my most powerful encounters have not been in a corporate setting. They have been one-on-one as I've sought the Lord, as I've gone seeking after him. I've met with him and he has settled the issue in my life of what I'm living for and what I'm about. Has that happened for you? What are your priorities? Because they will tell you, your activities will tell you what your priorities are. Scripture goes on and says this, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. God's qualities shine out of you. What God qualities are shining out of you currently? Have you thought about that? It's a bit dangerous. You could ask your spouse. You could ask your kids. What God qualities are shining out of my life? What am I known for? I've been through different seasons in my life and I've been known for different things through those seasons. I don't want to be known for some particular things. I'm busy asking God to reshape me and make me again so that I'll be known for the kingdom of God at work in my life. I'll be known as a, as a spiritual father. I'll be known as a good leader. I'll be known as a good covering for the m- ministries, the churches that God has put under my care. That's what I'm trying. I'm praying into that every day. God, please help me to be that. Please make me that. Please change me so I can be better at that. That's what my, I want that to shine out of my life. I want, When people meet with me, they, they walk away going, See that guy's different. Something about him, I'm not sure what. And if they're Christians, they'll know. They go, wow, you know what? You really are sold out for Jesus, aren't you? I want that to be what shines out of my life, what I'm known for. And while I was preparing this, you know, I just I've connected with some of the guys and I've seen you guys around a bit. And I thought of Steve Biddy, who's running kids ministry right now. And when I see Steve, I just see faithfulness. Because I remember Steve before he was a Christian, and I remember how he got born again, and I remember his journey to encounter the King. He got born again. He believed it was the right thing. He gave his heart to the Lord. He wanted to be a Christian, but he said, I don't get this. I don't feel God the way you guys seem to feel God. And I said, Steve, here's the secret. Every morning, what time do you wake up? He says, 5.30. I said, okay, 5 a.m. Every morning, wake up spend a half an hour reading the Bible and praying, asking God to meet with you. And Steve did that for nine months, nine months before he met with God. I just That, that locked in something in his character about being a faithful man that has stayed with me. It impacts me every time I think about Steve Biddy. I remember how faithful he was because I'd ask him every day and I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, God, you have to show up. You're under pressure here. You realize that, God. Like, seriously, I said it, he would meet you if he did that. And like, seriously, help me out, Lord. And, you know, and, he, and every week, every day, I'd be like, Steve, has it happened? No. Oh. Well, don't give up. Keep going. And then I'd go back home. <laughs> Please, Jesus, show up. You know, pressure. I think of Carl. Is Kyle in or is he with kids as well? Kids as well. Great. I just think of a, a service. Since the day Kyle got here. He just rolled up his sleeves and got to work. I would say, hey, those curtains, there, there's a, um, a, look, a little hooky thing missing, Carl. And, and without that, that's all I'd say. And there'd be a ladder, joop, joop, and he'd be doing it. I need to say it again. But, um, you know, and, and Carl was there, just willing. I mean, he was, weekends, he's here, there, and everywhere, helping people. What a great, what a great man to, who just serves. I, I think of Sarah who just exhibits joy, you know? Like, for me, anyway, she exhibits joy. Whenever I'm around her, she's always, you know, she's got that that dry Scottish wit thing going. And, um, you know, but it's it's always joyful. That shines out of her. Even when she went through the grief of losing her dad and, uh, you know, it was heavy for her, she just continually exhibited joy. Sure, she was crying, and, and processing the grief. But there was just this underlying joy in her life. Um, she blessed me with a game of cricket, going to the cricket game the other week. And uh, down at the new stadium, I got to see the new stadium and sit in that fancy place. with. She, some of her joy came into me on that day. And I was very, very happy to sit there and watch the cricket that day. It was beautiful. And uh, the green and gold won. That's cryptic. <laughs> okay. Um, I think of Pearl, who's not here today. Pearl, I just think of grace. You know, I've just seen how through the years, just, she's gone through health issue after health issue after health issue. And she's just exhibited grace under fire. You know, it's been tough. It's been really tough for her. A very scary journey. But that just shines out of her. I think of Nathan, who is also not here today. Maybe we just need to go and round up all the people I'm speaking about and just say, he chose you this morning because you weren't going to be there. I think of Nathan I just think of humility. I remember the guy who came into our church. And I remember the process of his journey as, you know, this, this guy who was driven and focused about where he wanted to be in life as he just began to submit to the call of God and the processes of God, and his whole life changed in the space of a two- or three-year period. Uh, I think of Boston. Is he here today? Okay. Oh, he's hiding. I think of Boston, and I just think of a brand-new faith that God is birthing. When I think of Boston, I think of a young man who has... You know, this week we need to pray. If you want to join with me in praying for Boston this week, um, he's facing a situation where he either has to go home at the end of the week to Sydney, or if God does a miracle, he can remain in Perth. And you know, it's hard in situations like this. It's very hard for me to try to discern what is God's best for for an individual because I'm I'm in the middle. I know what I want. And so I struggle with that, so I just have to continually go, and go, God, your will be done. And whatever's best for Boston, please do that. But he wants to stay, but without a miracle, he can't stay. So please do a miracle if you want him here. If you don't, bless him so that he can go back to Sydney and be blessed in everything that you've got for him there. But I just see a young man who's willing to do that. He hasn't just, you know, sort of resigned himself to his situation. He stood up and said, no, pray for me. I-, I want God's plan. That's a beautiful faith that's busy being born there. I think of Rion. Rion, I think of strength. You know, like I've seen Rion through the years. And I remember, I mean, I know what he's going through now currently with, a, with his health. But prior to that, I remember going down to, uh, to the Secret Garden Café where Rion was running a small group before work uh, and ministering to some guys from different offices and stuff. And um, the guy was just resolute. Whether there was zero or 10 or whatever, he was just inspired by God. He was reading books on how God works in the marketplace and he was sharing stuff. And he was just just resolute in the journey God had for him, unshakable in doing that week in, week out. It really spoke to me. It just shone out the strength that Rion has. And I know his family would agree that his, their dad, their husband has been a strong man uh, all the way through, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a great thing to see. Now, I could go on and on, and I would love to go on and on about each one of you. I would love to stand here and affirm you, in the beautiful things that are coming out of your life. And perhaps I'd be, I'd be serving you better if I did that. But there'd always be the chance that I miss somebody. So um, uh, as your spiritual father and as a spiritual leader, you need to be affirmed in these things regularly. You need to be reminded because you have an accuser who keeps telling you about all your bad stuff keeps reminding you about your shortcomings and your failings. But as I look through here row by row, each one of you has grown in faith and in love for the Lord. You've stuck it out. You've pushed through. Every one of you have prevailed and worked through stuff and God's light is shining out of you. It's a beautiful thing to see. So what qualities are shining out of you? Perhaps we could become more conscious of those qualities. Perhaps we could, you know, polish them up a bit and say, okay, God, use that. Let me shine for you. The Scriptures go on and He says, we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Your continued growth requires spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership creates an environment for growth. Spiritual leadership provides a covering of prayer and protection for you to flourish in. Spiritual leadership builds a foundation of values and convictions in your life that you can build upon. Spiritual leadership has a grace that flows into your life, an impartation that occurs. It's the deposit of the Holy Spirit. You know, there is, uh, here in Australia, it is pretty much on steroids. There is this idea that leadership is bad. That um, the idea of spiritual leadership, you know, it's like, no, 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 we we don't need that. Nobody can tell me what to do. Uh, I'm a grown-up. I'm an independent person. I can make up my own mind about things. You know, all that sort of stuff It's cultural. But it's not healthy. If you go back to the original picture of the church, when there was a crisis and when there was the situation when there were problems occurring, the idea was that the spiritual leaders would devote themselves to prayer and the Word. Why? Was it an escape? You know, so that the church could say, huh, well, all right for you, pastors. You don't have to face up to real life. Oh, lucky you, you just go into your little prayer room and you just sit and... Type on your computer and, you know, and read your Bible and everything's fine for you. And we have to fight in the real world. Have you ever heard that? I know I have. And that's just such a wrong view of how God puts this thing together. In a kingdom community, He puts spiritual leaders over you so that you can flourish I know when I've been preaching and speaking to your values and to to your principles in life, when I speak into those things and you agree, it lifts you. You come away going, that's right. That's what we believe. That's what we're about. You're strengthened in your convictions. You're strengthened in the things that you prioritize. You're strengthened in your walk in God. That's what spiritual leadership brings to you i have noticing, as I've mentioned a few names, that we're disengaging from this process and we're hoping that we're going to make it on our own. Church, it is not my responsibility or Pastor Matt's responsibility or Pastor Chris's responsibility to run after everybody who's not here. We can't do that. Our responsibility is to pray over you and minister the Word of God to you And your responsibility is to respond to that word and go with what God says. And so, we as the church family need to be looking around and going, Who's falling off the bus? Who's not here? Who's not making it? Come on. How can I help you to get back on? You need this. Pull in, as we used to say when I was growing up. Pull in, brew. Get on board. Get into this. Let's be part of this together. I hope you feel the same way about that that I do. And so this proposal pleased the whole group. Isn't that nice? Everyone was happy. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Why they didn't use John, Jack, Mike, I don't know. Anyway, the next generation were being prepared. God is multi-generational. We are too. In a fathering environment, sons and daughters are raised. And these sons go on to do greater things than the fathers did. Have you noticed that in the Bible? Did you notice that? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Did you notice that at God's multi-generation he works through all those generations? But did you notice that each son rose, on, rose up to do greater things than the father before them? Oh, we honor Father Abraham, who had many sons, but the reality is he only had one. And that was Isaac, the son of promise. But because of his faith, because he was able to see beyond the one, and see into the nation the way God spoke, because of his great faith, he was able to impart that to Isaac, who served the God of his father Abraham. And Isaac had two. He got a double portion. He went on to greater things. And Jacob, who was birthed out of that, the son of promise, he knew right from an early age, he knew that you get the blessing that God promised Abraham and Isaac, you get the best. Jacob was a shrewd dude. He saw how it works and he went, I need to get that God and that blessing. Now his methodology leaves a lot to be desired. But his heart is what God loved. Because his, his older brother, by a minute, his older brother Esau... Did not have that heart. Esau was like, eh, meh, whatever. M-E-H, Nyeh. Yeah, blessing, meh. You know, whatever. I'll sell it for a bowl of soup. We are multi-generational. The way we are doing life, we are going to set up our children for, for greater blessing than we've had. What we are depositing into them is going to go beyond them and into their children. What we're carrying is going to be sown into the generations and we're going to see greater results, greater fruit. You know, the young guys who are growing up in this church, how many of you remember a couple of years back, you've been with us for a while, a number of years, how many of you remember me saying these words? We are fighting for a new normal. You remember me saying stuff like that? We need a new normal. Well, our kids are growing up in that normal. I've started to notice that. Our kids are very different. When some of our youngsters go and meet Christian leaders around our city, those Christian leaders talk to me. And they say things like, wow, your guys are amazing. My gosh, I can't believe what your young guys are carrying. What are you guys doing back at that church? And I get the privilege of explaining our normal, what we've contended for, what we've prayed for, what we've fasted for, what we've all gathered around together for, believing for, sown into, invested into. you got to know the fact that we've got a missionary in Alyssa working in Africa, doing what she's doing, is pretty special. It's pretty unique. The fact that we have young people who've wanted to become ministers, who've worked as interns in our office serving and learning and doing different things, listen, that's an investment that's going to be realized in their children and in their children's children. The stuff we've done at youth, the stuff we've done in church, the prayers, the fasting, the prophecies, etc., it's forever changed a generation's lives. Now, some of our children might forget that for a little while. And they might wander off for a little while. But I want you to know that the deposit of the Holy Spirit, what we've imparted to to that young generation, it is a certain thing. It's always going to be there. You cannot deny the life that really is the life once you've tasted it. Or you can try, you can mess around, you can try all sorts of different stuff, but you know you're always going to come back to the foundation of who you really are. That's what we've laid in our young people. That's what you've laid in your children's lives. You are awesome. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a multi-generational thinker. Scripture goes on and it says this, Now, Nicholas from Antioch was a convert to to Judaism. I'm going to just divert for a minute here, and I need you to come with me, because this is a word for some of us who are more mature in the church. In Revelation 2.6, Jesus says this, You have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Nicholas, one of these seven that was chosen, was a convert to Judaism before he became a Christian. So in order to convert to to Judaism, you have to take on a significant commitment and a whole bunch of laws and rules and regulations. And there are church movements that are increasingly trying to become more Judaic in their expression and with that comes a whole lot of r- laws, rules and stipulations. So there's no doubt that Nicholas was a very honorable man. In fact, Eusebius, the church historian, writes that he was sincere and devout. He came to believe that the only way to grow spiritually was to consider his body and its desires as unimportant. How noble. He was doing that deny-yourself thing brilliantly. In this way, he could ignore them in favor of spiritual pursuits. His fundamental doctrine appears to have been the flesh must be treated with contempt. But you know what? Nicholas was also a leader and an influencer, and he developed a following. And they became known as the Nicolaitans. And they were known for the very opposite of what Nicholas was known for. They were known for lawlessness, licentiousness, which is like giving in to every craving. If the mortal body is to be ignored and suppressed, then what we do in our mortal body is irrelevant, is what they said. So basically... So basically... The thing that Jesus hates started from a place of rules and regulations and ended in a place of lawlessness. So now listen to me, parents. Listen to me, mature ones. Romans 3.20 says this. Now do you see... No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know of God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. Jesus came to set us free. If we sow a legalistic atmosphere in our homes, we can be sure that we will reap lawlessness. So what should we do? Oh, am I saying do away with discipline? Not at all. We should be sowing love, sowing truth, sowing grace, and sowing responsibility. We should not be sowing the rules. Because the rules will result in a lawless product. Our children will become lawless and licentious because all the rules show is they can't do it. They try, they try, they try, then they blow it. And when they blow it, they go, well, I've blown it. I'm going to pay for it. I may as well blow it big. And so they blow it big. And you set your child up for a life of mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. And their spiritual walk is one of extremes. Extreme highs and extreme lows. So we don't want to make the same mistake that this good man, Nicholas, made. He started off well, but then he got so proud and so puffed up about how humble he was and how holy he was that the people who followed him went, oh, so, all right, let's just take this to the next logical conclusion and go, well, if the body isn't that important, then, hey, what we do in our body doesn't really matter. Let's party! Okay? And that, this is in the Bible for our benefit. So we can see that and realize that we have, we're not immune from it. It was right there at the beginning of the church, and it's been following the church all the way through. I grew up in a very legalistic environment, and it didn't help me become a good Christian. There were other benefits to it, but my parents didn't know what they were doing, and so they did the best they could. I'm trying to raise my kids in a different atmosphere. Trish and I are trying to raise our kids in an atmosphere of truth, of love, of grace, and responsibility to varying degrees of success. But we believe that as fathers and mothers in the faith, It is our job to establish the identity of our children, to affirm them in what God has called them to do and who they really are, and to give them bucket loads and truck loads of affection. So they never wonder if they loved. Is that all right? Mature ones, you good with that? Send me your email if you're not, and I may even open it. I'll just send you the slide. Okay. They carry on. It says, They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. We need to be commissioned for ministry. Have you been blessed into your ministry, into your mission, into your assignment? Are you feeling, perhaps, you're wandering around like an orphan and looking for a spiritual leader who will be your source of identity, your source of affirmation, your source of acceptance? It shouldn't be like that in the house of God. You should feel blessed affirmed, commissioned, man, I've got a purpose. I'm hitting it. I'm going for it on Monday. I've got all these things in in line now. I've put the kingdom first. I'm dealing with this problem in a spiritually mature way. I'm not being sidetracked by trying to be something I'm not. I'm ready to go for it. You want to be blessed in that. You want an impartation that sets you on your way. If you're facing a problem and a challenge, that is your assignment right now. Be blessed in it. Right now, our church finances are in a bit of a pickle. It's my assignment right now. How am I going to resolve this? What am I going to do? I want to be blessed in it. I need to know that God's got this. God's got me. He's got the situation. We're going to resolve it. We're going to sort it out. You might be going through a situation, maybe joblessness or maybe health, whatever it is. Right now, that is your assignment. How is the kingdom of God going to manifest in that situation? How are you going to see God break through in that situation? You've got to have that as a conviction. This is not beyond God's control. This began, this whole chapter began with a church that had a conviction that when things are out of control, we go to God and God tells us what to do. We don't run around like chicks with our head chopped off hoping that it's all going to work out, bury our head in the sand like an ostrich. We don't do that. So you need to be commissioned afresh today, reminded afresh today that you are blessed. You're blessed in every situation. That's part of the promise of God over your life. It's got to become real for us in every situation. And so it carries on saying, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. These people went for it. They got it. They were like, yeah, man, we got a problem. God's got a solution. Let's go for it. We have lack. That's all right. We've got plenty. Let's give in to that. Let's go. There was a sense of going for it. They knew what they had to do. Their identity was set as the church. God had said, from you. This message will go from Jerusalem to to Judea, to to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who am I going to use? You. You guys, the first crew. Jerusalem. Now they've they've lived for three years. Minimum, according to historians, either three years or seven years. And they've arrived at this point where the next generation are coming up. And they're rising up and they're going, yeah, now we're really going to take it. We bless you, Stephen. Stephen goes out to die for the faith. But while he's dying for the faith, he's preaching a gospel that echoes through centuries. And his message never stops resounding, resounding, resounding. He lived it to the max. He sees heaven open up while he's busy dying. Philip, one of the seven, goes on to lead the Ethiopian to Christ. And the Ethiopian church, the African church, is birthed on the back of Philip's work. Jerusalem began with these twelve, but they multi-generational thinking there's going to be greater things happening Philip goes and Africa is opened up Timothy goes to India you you see how this thing breaks out and and spreads out sorry that was Thomas who goes to India there's a whole there's a whole revolution underway here that they've got it they understand who they are and they're willing to go for it as I look out today Do you understand who you are? Are you willing to go for it? Do you understand what we're carrying? We're carrying the move of God that was prophesied 300 years ago, 100 years ago, and 10 years ago. We're carrying that prophetic word. There's a great move of God that God is unleashing from this area through us. Who's going to do it? Who's going to carry it? I believe you are. So let me pray for you. Would you close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I pray that every person sitting here today would be reminded of how significant they are in the scheme of history right now. There are callings that have gone out from heaven some of your your people in this room have heard it. May they be reminded of it today, I pray. There was a purpose for this church, this group of people, that you formed them around. May we be reminded of it again, deep in our hearts. I bless you, One Church Perth, No matter what your season is, I bless you in it. I proclaim the word of God over you that you will be blessed in your coming and in your going, in your working and in your resting, in the fields and in your homes. Wherever you go, you are blessed. You're so blessed that that blessing will overflow. It will overflow into the people around you, and it will overflow into the generations. Your children and your children's children are never going to be the same. You unmarried ones, I bless you with the right spouse that's going to come into your life and two are going to put to flight 10,000. You are going to be mighty in the Lord. I bless you in every dream that's in your heart, every deep thing that you carry. I bless you in that. I bless you in your promises and in your problems. Right now, I bless you that you will thrive and grow and make the best decisions you've ever made in the midst of this problem that you may be facing. And you'll come out on the other side stronger, richer, a deeper, more Jesus-like person than you've ever been before. Lord Jesus, come and confirm this word with signs and wonders In the lives of every person, I pray, work miracles. Make us bold as lions and let us see the miracles take place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.